Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 370 with Prerna Gupta of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, guys? Nathan here. Welcome back to another episode. Hope you're doing well wherever you are around the world. You might be in lockdown. You might not be. Uh, We are here in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, yeah, myself and the founder team are getting by. And uh, yeah, we're still cracking away working super hard to produce incredible content to help you start or grow your business all right let's talk about today's guest her name is pruna gupta and uh, this was an awesome interview she's the founder of a company called telepathic inc which was behind the smartphone app called hooked now i'm not sure if you've seen this particular app before, but it is massive. Um, you know, the app has like incredible investors like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Ashton Kutcher, Jamie Foxx, and several other celebrities. Um, it is massive. And, you know, she's co-founded other startups focused on, you know, music, dating, short stories. And, you know, her like story is incredible around how she approaches creating apps. So if you've ever had an app idea or you want to know how to create a successful business in the app space, like Prerna will give you an absolute masterclass in this interview. You're going to learn around like capitalizing on your success may not be the typical path that uh, it usually looks like and, you know, why the unexpected path 
might lead to your next innovation and really like how they come up, like how she finds these incredible app ideas, how she scores them, how she works them out with her co-founder and also partner. All right, guys, that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. It'll help us more than you can imagine. Now let's jump in the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been building startups my entire career. It's been over 16 years now. So it's the only thing I know how to do. And I started basically when I was six months out of college uh, in 2005. I did actually have a, a normal job, quote unquote, before then. So right after graduating, I took a job as a management consultant here in San Francisco. And I was there for six months and just was feeling kind of like a cog in a wheel, basically. And I, and I really wanted to have direct impact and create my own products and reach people directly. And so I wanted to get closer to entrepreneurship. I made a jump into um, VC. I got a job at a venture capital firm based here in Silicon Valley. And I was there for six weeks. And I realized this wasn't really solving my problems. You know, I wanted to be a founder that that's who I am. So I quit my second job, uh, you know, in the course of about eight months and um, just decided to dive right in into entrepreneurship. And I started my uh, first company at the age of 22. Awesome. And can you tell us more about that first company and like, yeah, how'd that all come about? How'd you, can, yeah. Yeah. So the first company was a social networking site for Indians called Yari.com. Yari means friendship. And it was uh, summer of 2005. Facebook had very recently raised their $12 million Series A. And most people, Facebook was just in a few colleges back then. Most people thought it was crazy that anyone was investing that much money into something like a social networking site. But I really kind of, I had been on it for a few months and was seeing the usage amongst my friends and felt like this was something that was going to be massive all over the world. So I decided to move to India to, to start um, basically the Facebook of India. Um, I did it with, I co-founded the company with um, the person who was then my boyfriend, he's now my husband and co-founder for life. Um, and his name is Prague. He is, um, he's basically, I'm the CEO. He's the CTO. We are sort of yin and yang, and it's been a great partnership. So we moved to India, started Yari.com. When we got there, it was such an uphill battle. We couldn't raise funding. No one, you know, we got meetings with all the VCs in India at the time, but um, people, the objections were people in India are too conservative. No one's going to put their picture up online. And um, it was, which is crazy because India is like one of the biggest markets for Facebook now. Um, but we stuck with it for four years and had some ups and downs, got 2 million users at one point. And then of course, Facebook entered India and totally ate our lunch. And so we ended up failing with that first startup, but that was um, an incredible experience and I wouldn't be where I am today without without having started that first company. Yeah, wow, interesting. And um, you've started many other companies. Uh, I'd love to talk about like fast forward today, Hooked, like seeing your guys' ads. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about the product? How, how did that come about? When did you start it? Like, yeah. Yeah, so Hooked is the number one storytelling platform for Gen Z. Um, we, we basically tell stories in uh, mobile friendly formats, three formats, formats, text, audio, and video. 
and we reach 100 million viewers around the world now. Um, but we didn't start there. We started with just an idea. And the idea actually came about when my husband and I were traveling after selling our last company. We wanted to just kind of get back into a creative mindset. And so we decided to take off. We left Silicon Valley, traveled all over the world, traveled for a year and a half. And while we were traveling, we started to write a novel for young adults. It's a sci-fi fantasy trilogy set in Silicon Valley in the future. And it's just something that we had been dreaming of writing for a long time. And as we were writing, we started to just think more about storytelling and how, you know, what's happening in the world of storytelling, the way that we live our lives today has completely changed in the past 10 years. The first touch point for almost anything now is our mobile phone. But we felt like the storytelling industry, whether you look at book publishing or Hollywood, hadn't really figured out how to adapt to that change and how to tell stories for our mobile world. And so we decided, we came back from our travels and just decided to reimagine storytelling for our mobile first generation. And that was how Hooked started. Wow. Um, and you guys, uh, you know, you have a, like a, a parent company, Telepathic Inc. And, uh, you know, you've had over a, a billion users across like your apps. Like that is insane. Like why, why do you think that, like how, how, how have you had that like insane growth? Because the app business is hard. Like yeah. a lot of people watching this might have an idea for an app. Um, like, like why, why do you think you're getting it right so often? So it's a great question. The app business is very, very hard. I've been building apps since the early days of the app store. I launched my first app in 2009 and, um, I've had, I've launched dozens of apps and I've had many failures and a handful of successes to kind of get to that, you know, billion users number. Um, and the key with I think with any kind of building any kind of product, it's especially important when you're doing mobile apps is being very data-driven and iterative about the, the user experience. And the reason that this is especially important on mobile is because you are working with such a small screen and the real estate that you have, the attention that you have, the time that you have to convince a user to use your app and you know the uh, space that you have to actually communicate what your app is about is so small. And so the only way to really get that right is to build, you know, taking from the lean startup book, Eric Rees, who's one of our investors and wrote this amazing, basically Bible for, you know, any founder of the lean startup taking, you know, um, some ideas from his book, minimum viable product, create a minimum viable product, get something out fast into the hands of your users, use data to really see what's working and what's not and iterate. Um, that has been the greatest secret to our success. And, you know, through many failures, that's kind of what's gotten us to where we are. Yeah, I see. And why do you think most apps fail? Like what's the, what do you see is like the number one thing that people are getting wrong or you've seen it in your journey as well. Cause you said you have had some failures too on the app, like mobile apps front. Absolutely. Apps, yeah. I think the biggest reason apps fail is trying to do too much at once. So, and I think this happens, especially a lot of times when you're building your first product, you know, you have this grand vision for this, this company that you want to build and you want it to do eventually, you know, you want to build a multi-billion dollar enterprise that does, you know, hundreds of things. But when you're starting out, you don't want to do hundreds of things. You want to do one thing really, really well. One thing better than anybody else can do it. And 
like I said, especially on a mobile screen when you've got such a tiny, you know, such small real estate to convince your users to spend time with you. Don't throw in everything but the kitchen sink. Find one feature and focus your app around that one feature and do it better than anybody else. That's the key. And one of the things that we learned after a few failures and really started to get right. Yeah, I see. And what about Songify? Like, can you tell the, tell the, like our audience about that? Like when you launched it, it was number one app in the app store. Like how did that feel? And like, wh- how did you get that right? Yeah. So Songify was um, when, when we were creating music apps, my husband and I, it was, we launched that app in 2011. And it was really the result of a lot of iteration. You know, Songify was an app where you talk, you speak into the phone, and it'll process your voice and turn anything you say into a song, hence the the name Songify. And we had been, we had um, launched an app previously, which was a singing app called La Di Da, which also used machine learning technology where you sing and it'll create music to match anything you sing. And we had some decent success with that. It was a top hundred app and, you know, we got, um, you know, uh, like a few hundred thousand downloads on it and um, got good response. But what we found was that um, we weren't getting enough mass market usage because people were really afraid to sing. You know, people who are singers love to sing, but vast majority of people really were afraid to sing. They, they didn't have confidence in their voice. And so that, feedback from users gave us the idea to come up with something that was so simple. You know, we wanted to give people the joy of hearing their voice singing, but hearing themselves sing, but it was so simple that anyone could do it. You just talk and it turns your, what you say into a song. That app, when we launched it, um, we launched it, I believe on a Thursday, a Thursday in 2011. And it kind of started to pick up steam and then, you know, rose up the charts a little bit on Thursday, a little bit more on Friday. And when I woke up Saturday morning, it was the number one app in the world. And that was kind of the moment for me, I think in my career, that was, I mean, it was really a pivotal moment. You know, I had been struggling for a long time, basically as a founder to, to really have a hit. And, um, that was, that was our hit. That was our moment. And it was just an exhilarating feeling. It was incredible, um, really kind of took us by surprise. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was, uh, it was a very gratifying moment, but in a lot of ways, you know, and I can talk about this more, but then a lot of stress came in as well. Cause we had something to lose suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Like, can, can you tell me more? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting when you make that flip in the beginning, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of nobody, right? And you just have an idea and you're so passionate. No one, most people just kind of don't give you the time of day. And, you know, and that's just the structure. I mean, you know, you're, you have to prove yourself. And before you've proven yourself, most people think you're crazy and you just are so scrappy. And what you have is your belief in yourself and in your idea. And, you don't have anything to lose. And so you give it your all and you don't care, you know, when you get rejected or when something you're trying a hundred things and, you know, 99 ideas fail and it's fine. You just kind of pick yourself up and you keep going. But suddenly when you've had that first taste of success, you know, there is people start to, people notice everyone kind of comes out of the woodworks. You know, I was being invited on to national television programs to demo the app and there was so much interest from investors. And there were, there were all these opportunities presented to me suddenly. And 
we had this app at the top of the charts and now we had to figure out how do we how do we make the most of this momentum how do we build a business out of this how do we keep people coming back to the app how do we raise you know use this to raise funding on the right terms and what do we do next and it's really it's it's a different phase of in the founder journey and you think that when you you know you when you start out you're like okay, as an app developer, if I could have the number one app in the world, like that would be the most amazing feeling Then I've made it, you know? And then you get there and you realize that's just the beginning and the next phase is even harder. <laughs> um, but that's also part of the fun and just kind of, I think the journey of life, like, you know, it never gets easier. Uh, it's just, you, it gets more challenging and you grow more at, at each stage. So I'm curious, after like uh, your success on early days Songify, um, you wrote this awesome article on Vogue and you talked about uh, being a digital nomad uh, for a year shortly after. Like what, what happened there? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so this was after after Songify. We ended up um, one of the one of the people who reached out to us at that time was a company that was our biggest competitor. They're a company called Smule, which is now the largest developer of music creation apps around the world. And they reached out, and we started talking. And one thing led to another, and eventually they bought our company, um, which was a life changing experience. You know, for us, kind of gave us financial independence and and sort of really gave us that first big win as founders. We stayed on with Smule for a couple of years. And at, at the end of that period, I think we started to just, you know, I think we just started to, it's weird, but it, 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 it was, we are, my husband and I are both creators. You know, I mean, we are, we're tech people and we're, we're, you know, he's an engineer and, you know, I'm a business person, but at the same time, what really brought us together and what motivates us is making art. Um, we're both musicians. I've been writing my entire life. And we felt like after kind of going through this exhausting journey of being, you know, doing this tech startup, we just wanted to get back into a creative mindset. And we also just sort of felt ourselves getting sucked into this mentality of, you know, you make a certain amount of money and then you feel like, and that was the money that you sent, set out to make at the beginning and you make it. And then you're like, but I need 10 times more than that. And, and you know, and it's like, for what, <laughs> why do you need 10 times more than that? What, what do you, what is that money going to buy you? It's not going to buy you more happiness. And I think we just started to realize that we were getting sucked into that feeling of like, we don't have enough money, which was crazy. And we were just like, this is something's, this is not the way to live life. And so we just decided to donate all of our stuff, leave Silicon Valley and go be nomads for a while. And we didn't have a plan. We just bought a one-way ticket to this surf town in Costa Rica, which is one of our favorite places in the world. And, you know, we had one bag and our, and our laptops basically, and, um, and my husband's instrument. <laughs> he's a, he's a musician. Uh, and, uh, and that was it. And then we just kind of took it from there. And it was an amazing journey. We ended up traveling for a year and a half, actually. And through that journey, somehow uh, came hooked. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing. I'm curious around just the Smule acquisition. I'm familiar with that platform. Um, I, I've played around with it and uh, have done some rap battles, but that's, that's, that's not something that I want to talk about because it's embarrassing. But um, can, you tell, can you tell us about 
like that acquisition, can you share kind of like, like uh, you know, what, what can you share there? Even for anyone that is watching this that perhaps has aspirations to perhaps sell their app, like, you know, what was the outcome there? Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy to share just how that whole thing went down. And I think it's a great question because it's really hard, especially as a first time founder to know how to make something like that happen. And really what I, I learned through that experience is the best way to do it is first collaborate basically. And so what ha- the, the best acquisitions really happen organically and it's better to kind of try before you buy. And so basically what happened was, you know, the CEO of Smule, Jeff Smith, um, who's, who's a brilliant, very creative um, founder himself, you know, reached out and just said, Songify is awesome. Congrats. Um, would love to see if, you know, like your audience and our audience seems similar and we have complimentary apps. Would love to see if your audience is interested in our app, Magic Piano, and vice versa. And so we basically just did a collaboration where we cross-promoted each other's apps um, in a very organic way. It didn't feel like an ad. And we saw really, really strong conversion, basically. Um, and so there was clearly a lot of overlap in terms of the, the demand you know, for our products with these audiences that we had built. And that is what led to a conversation around, hey, should we join forces and what would that look like? And so you know, that I think is a... It's just a much better way. You don't want to, you don't want to go out and try to sell yourself. Obviously, some companies do that and they hire investment banks and like it's a whole thing. But especially as a startup, as a small startup, and you know, where you're an app, it's gonna be a lot better if you just go out there and get to know people and let partnerships develop organically and where there's a really good fit, it'll be clear, and then that will lead to an acquisition discussion. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. When it comes to Hooked, I'd love to go uh, much deeper on that because, yeah, I'm sure people like are really curious because very well-known product. Like, how did you come up with the idea? You said, it, so it was, con- was it conceived on this Costa Rica trip? And like, then what was next? How do you bring something like that to life? Yeah, it was the idea for Hooked the chat fiction app was was conceived after we officially started the company. So the idea, basically when we were traveling, it was a very high level idea that we want to rethink storytelling for the mobile phone and for younger, for younger generations, basically. And how do you do that? And we started off with this objective. You know, the idea was, okay, we were traveling, we were writing this book, this novel for teens, and people used to say, well, that's 
cute, but what's the point? Teens don't read anymore. Reading is dying. And that was kind of, I think, hearing that again and again was really the thing that that was like, okay, that's a challenge. It doesn't make sense that reading is dying. Reading stories, stories are so fundamental to us as humans, especially when you're a teenager, coming of age stories are so formative, you know, in those years. And so we challenged ourselves. How can we use what we know about creating addictive mobile experiences to make reading engaging on the phone? And so that was kind of the idea. We came back from our travels. We raised a little bit of seed funding from investors who had invested in us before and had a good experience with us. And then we just set out to kind of crack that problem. And our hypothesis was that, you know, reading, the reason reading is dying is because people are, teens are spending all of their time on the mobile phone and you're kind of competing for their attention with social media feeds with, you know, they're on social media all day long. Obviously no one's going to sit down and read a hundred thousand page novel when they can just be on Instagram all day long. They're not going to do that. Um, but what if you could take a story and make it as engaging as an Instagram post and how do you do that? And so that was really our goal. And we didn't know exactly how to do that. We started off with an idea that didn't work, which was tell image driven stories, basically kind of taking reimagining comic books, um, but making them for the phone. And we tried creating some comic book type stories for you know mobile consumption. And we weren't really getting good engagement. And we were very data-driven. So we were looking at the data and it just wasn't telling us what we wanted to see. And then we just had this idea of, you know, people are spending their lives, they're telling their own stories through text messaging. What if we tried telling a fictional story that way? And we wrote like a thousand word story. And the first thing we wrote, just the engagement was like through the roof. It was crazy high retention. 85% of people that started the story finished it, which was the highest retention we'd ever seen on anything we'd built. And that was when, that was like, okay, we're on to something here. And that was kind of how it happened. How long did it take for you guys to work out, you know, we're onto something? You had your first iteration and then that was your second? Or like you've obviously had many iterations in between, but yeah. Yeah. So we basically started essentially in January of 2015 with trying to kind of, with this hypothesis and trying to figure out how do we solve this problem. And we had the insight for chat fiction in May of that year. So it took us five months of experimenting and trying a bunch of things that basically weren't working. But during that time, we were also building our data pipeline and figuring out how to test things. And we were establishing benchmarks so that by the time we had our kind of light bulb moment, we knew it was a hit because we had all this data that we had all these, we had all these things that we tested that hadn't worked. And so we really had something to compare it against. And then we spent the next um, several months basically getting more content. You know, we wrote our first story ourselves. We wanted to build, you know, full catalog, a platform. And so we reached out to writers, basically fiction writers around all around the country and got them to submit stories to us in this new format. And um, we compiled a few hundred stories through that time. And then we launched our app in September of 2015. And then we spent a year uh, iterating on that. And it took a long time. We had a little bit of success. And then, you know, kind of like we weren't getting really anywhere. And we spent over a year before, you know, just iterating and improving things, expanding our catalog. And it 
it was really in the fall of 2016 that things started to take off. And then December of 2016 was when Hooked hit the number one spot uh, on the App Store. Yeah, okay, wow. And so it sounds like you guys have a bit of a formula to this of like creating really kind of sticky, hot apps. Um, Just for anyone like watching this right now, like just for context, um, you know, how big is your catalog? Uh, where where is hooked at now? Just fast forward to like 2021. Yeah, so we have about I think 10,000 stories now uh, in 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 you know the hooked fiction app, and they range from anywhere from a thousand words, so very short, to now we have things that are basically the length. Of, of, of TV scripts or, or, or movie scripts. And we've worked with writers all over the world. And we recently have started to take some of our top stories and actually produce them into mobile movies and TV shows. And we call it Hook TV. And it's this was kind of our vision long-term, you know, to take the top stories and, and really kind of um, rethink uh, Hollywood as well for mobile. And it's been working really well. And um, we've, we've uh, built a big audience and loyal audience now for our content, which has been an incredible journey. But, uh, you know, hopefully we're just getting started. Yeah, no, that's so cool. So in many ways, you guys are kind of becoming a media company. That's exactly right. We're basically a data-driven media company and um, really focused on on mobile, the mobile experience and the mobile user. So, Look, it, it is obvious like you, you've had incredible success with building mobile apps and, and products. For anyone watching this right now that has an app, app ID, like grassroots, where should they start? What should they be thinking about from your perspective? Yep. So the number one thing is to really um, create, like I said, your minimum viable product. And you know, obviously if you're a developer, that's a lot easier. If you're a mobile developer and engineer, you can just build it. But most people who have ideas aren't mobile developers, but it's, you know, I think that you can get really far um, with envisioning your product just by making mocks and you can use um, very simple programs. You can use PowerPoint or Keynote. Um, there's a great design tool called Figma online, which you can use. So just use any product you know that, that you're comfortable with to just really map out your screens the screens of your app your minimum viable product if you had a developer today you know what would you build and keep it simple less is more build one feature don't build a hundred features build one feature keep it simple and just map out your screens and really the the user interface for your product that's the first place to start and that will tell you what team do you need to build? Who do you need to actually help you execute on that and get get an app out um, up in the app store? And how do you know if you're onto something? Like how, how do how do you know? Like because it seems like you guys you you guys don't get it right at, out of the gate, right? You and your husband you don't get it right out of the gate. It's more kind of you're taking very small baby steps, and I think sometimes people they have this kind of idea hallucination or they fall in love with the idea and they're so set on that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important to, to adapt. Right. And cause if, if you have one idea and you're set on it, it might not be exactly right. And you want to be able to adapt. And so our whole thing is we, we start with 
a very high level idea, a hypothesis, and we really approach it as almost like a scientific experiment. You know, there, there's this belief that we have about the world and about um, human nature and, and some demand that's out there that's not being met. And we believe that we can create a product that meets that demand, but we don't know exactly what that product is. And so our science experiment is figuring out, you know, what is that product? And you do that by creating some, the most, the, the spending the least amount of time and the least amount of resources, getting some data that will tell you, am I on the right track? And how do I adjust where I'm going basically to get to where I want to be? And so for us, you know, that started with Hooked. Um, actually, you know, I told you about the, the, you know, comic book idea, but before then, before we even built that, what we actually did was we took traditional novels, put them up. We built this really scrappy, like not very well-designed mobile optimized website, put traditional novels on there, drove a few hundred people to those novels from ads basically on Facebook and looked at the data to show us what happens when people try and read normal novels on the phone. And that was actually in a way what told us we're on the right track, sort of. <laughs> basically we saw that when you put normal novels on the phone, you get terrible engagement. No, no one wants to read it. Even if they click on the ad, they see this wall of text and you know they read a few sentences and they're gone basically. And so what, what we learned from that was two things. People were clicking on our ads. We actually had a very good click-through rate on our ads, which said, okay, there is demand for this, but our the retention or engagement on the existing solution, which is normal novels, was terrible. And so that told us, you know, there's something here. There's, there's a kernel of something in our idea, but the current solution isn't great. And like, we need to come up with something better. And then we started to iterate. We tried the comic book thing. We ran more ads. Again, we saw a great click through on the ads. We didn't see a big improvement in retention. And then we tried and tried and tried. And then eventually when we hit on it, chat fiction, that really, you know, was like the thing, like this totally works. So getting little bits of data along the way will tell you if you're on the right track or if you're not. And there's one other thing actually, which is very different from data, which is, you know, you're always pitching, you're always pitching to somebody, you know, whether it's VCs, your early investors or co-founders or designers, you're going to work with whoever it is, you're always pitching your idea and you get qualitative feedback along the way and you get, you get other ideas along the way. And there's some, you pick it up, you know, when you're onto something, you can tell when, when you tell someone your idea, their eyes will light up. You know, and they'll say, I want that. I would use that. I can't wait for that to be out in the world. And when you, when your ideas, when there's not something to your idea, you won't get that feedback. And so you, that's, I think an important part of the process is just talking about it. Tell everyone, anyone who will listen about your idea. Don't worry. No one's going to steal it. It's too hard <laughs> to get right. Like, don't worry about people stealing it. Just talk about it and see what's the kind of response you're getting. And you'll have a, a sixth sense if you're honest with yourself about whether there's something to your idea. Yeah, no, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. Um, I love the the fact that you shared about kind of using Facebook ads, using that as a, as a kind of traffic source, looking at the data and then just testing hypotheses. That was awesome, thank you. Um, you talked about 
just before kind of pitching and, uh, you know, like speaking to investors, uh, you know, you, you've had some very high profile celebrities invest in Hooked, like Mariah Carey, Jamie Foxx, Ashton Kutcher. Um, how did like any any crazy, interesting stories you could share around how any of those came about? Like, uh, it's pretty impressive. Thanks. Um, thanks. You know, it's I mean, we didn't know any celebrities when we started. It just sort of happened and it's not something that we were expecting to happen. But basically, um, our first celebrity investor was Ashton Kutcher. And um, we met him, um, you know, just at, at uh, there's this kind of a club here in, in San Francisco called the Battery. And anyways, we were there and he was there and, and we, we sort of met. And uh, I think he'd already heard about Hooked um, through, you know, some of our other investors and um, we just really hit it off. And I think, you know, I was really blown away actually by how smart Ashton is. I think a lot of times, you know, we we tend to assume that celebrities and actors are, you know, not very intellectual. And I think what one thing that I've learned is that the people at the top of their game are very, very intelligent in addition to being very talented at what they do. And um, he just totally got it. He saw the vision. He understood what we were trying to do. And we we clicked. And, um, you know, he he uh, asked to invest. And, of course, we said yes. And then uh, it just sort of grew through word of mouth, actually, like through our investors. After that, other celebrities wanted to invest. And um, it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Crazy. So you can meet your, your future investor at, like, a club. <laughs> Um, maybe don't. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I think, the, I think the moral of the story is just kind of like, put yourself out there. You know, you never know who you're going to meet where. And, uh, you know, it's, um, that, that serendipity, I think. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, you know, how to get acquired. Like it's all part of the same thing. Just put yourself out there and the best connections just happen organically when, when two people really kind of hit it off. Yeah, no, look, I know that, that like San Fran is pretty wild like that. Like you can meet, like I have friends, many friends in San Fran. I've heard many stories, you know, you can meet people in at a bar or a club and like, it's just, it's the hub, right? Exactly. It's the hub. And, you know, one of the things, I mean, people say a lot of bad things about Silicon Valley and, you know, the Bay area or whatever, but one of the thing, reasons I love it here and I just really appreciate being a part of, you know, I really view Silicon Valley as, as a global community. It's not even about where we are physically, you know, it's, it's just all of us who are doing tech startups are a part of Silicon Valley. But the, the thing that blows me away day in and day out is how accessible people are and really how humble they are. You know, there are, we have so many billionaires that are in our investors and other billionaires that I've met that didn't end up investing, but nine times out of 10, they will be so down to earth and, you know, so respectful, you know, of me and I'm nobody compared to them. And I've just, I've had that experience throughout my career. And it's just, it's, it's just incredible that people who are so successful and so far ahead in their careers will will take time to talk to people starting out and really, you know, value your intelligence and your abilities and what they see as your potential, even when it hasn't been proven yet. And I think that's something that's really special about 
the Silicon Valley community that doesn't exist as much in, in, in other industries. So take advantage of it because it's, uh, you know, reach out because people will, will respond and, you know, not everyone will, but, um, they'll, when there's a spark there, sometimes there'll be a spark and a connection and they'll give you a shot, even if you haven't been proven yet. You know, that's a good point you make. Like, yeah, there is a really big pay it forward model or yeah, it's just, it's just, it is quite prevalent. Um, for successful founders, um, not always, but yes, you, you never know, right? Especially, I think it's important if you actually have something to show, or you are currently working on something. That's something that I have seen. Like, if you have nothing to show, it's pure aspirations. You haven't got that. Like, you don't have something. You know what I mean? I think it, it's different. But if you're if yeah. you're on the journey, you have something to show. You're hungry. Pay it forward model uh, in in like startup community is very very powerful. Yes, and that's a great distinction. I think an important one. Um, don't just reach out and say, "Hey, like you know, I really respect you. I'd love to chat." You know, like no one's going to respond to that. <laughs> but when you have something that you've already poured your heart and soul into, and and you know, you have something to show, you have a demonstration, some demo, something, you know you you'd be surprised by how many people will pay it forward and, and respond yeah because i think as well these founders that have had success they see something in that person as well like you, you see yourself a little bit in that person and you want to exactly. you, you know the pains right you know how hard it is so if you could just give even 15 minutes 20 minutes like you, you could change that person's world and yeah well, look, we'll, look, we'll work towards wrapping up. This has been fantastic. Um, just about Hooked, like what excites you? What's next? Where do you see it going? Yeah. So my vision, you know, you said we're a media company and that's my vision. I want to be one of the biggest media companies of all time. I want to be the next Disney or the next Netflix. That's my goal. And I really started this company, you know, when I was on my journey as a creator and, you know, I was writing this and I still am this sci-fi fantasy novel. And it's, it's unusual in that the protagonist is an Indian female and there still has not been a major sci-fi fantasy franchise with an Indian female protagonist. And the really, my, what I see, you know, the opportunity that I see and my vision and the reason I'm doing this is to really give voice to diverse creators and diverse stories. And I think we do that by going direct, you know, Put pairing creators directly with their audience, basically pairing great stories directly with their audience. And that's why I've built Hooked. And that's my goal. I want to create these hopefully eventually multi-billion dollar franchises that really tell canonical heroes journey stories, but tell them from diverse perspectives. And um, it's a lifelong journey for me. I'm just starting out. It's, you know, I want to be doing it the rest of my life. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, wow. That's incredible vision. Um, so then it sounds like, uh, this is my last question, then we'll, we'll move to the hot seat round. Um, it sounds like you have no intention of selling? No, I, my, my, I hope we never have to sell, you know? I mean, that's my goal. I want to just run this company forever and, you know, maybe we go public at some point. I don't know. We're a long ways away from that, uh, you know, just, uh, just want to kind of keep, keep going, keep building it brick by brick. That's this is, I can't imagine really wanting to do anything other than this. Yeah, no, look, I really respect that. Um, that that's amazing. 
Um, okay, well look, we'll work towards wrapping up. We've got something called the hot seat round where I'll ask you a few questions, you know, want, want to answer them in 30 seconds to a minute. I've got four questions. I'm just reading them from the screen here and uh, yeah, and then we'll wrap up because I'm conscious of time. All right, um, first question. If you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, hopefully this you consider this an, an accurate response, but my answer is J.K. Rowling. And I know you don't think of her as a traditional you know, founder or entrepreneur, but she is a billionaire um, based on this amazing product that she created, which is Harry Potter. And uh, I just... Um, you know, I really admire what she has built. And I also think what's incredible about it is that most of it came from just one person, just her. And, you know, as founders, we sort of glamorize this idea of building companies with thousands of people. Um, but it really fascinates me how much impact one person can have to, to create a IP that literally, you know, generates billions of dollars and um, reaches everyone around the world. So I would love to meet, have dinner with JK Rowling. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, what's one app that came out that you thought, I wish I'd done that? I got to say clubhouse. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's brilliant. The timing was brilliant. They did such an amazing job. I mean, they're amazing product people. They just got everything right between the product, um, the, the, the building a community and just the timing, everything was awesome. And, uh, you know, kudos to them. Um, they're really amazing down to earth people and, and they deserve it. And, uh, definitely that was one that was like, I, my husband and I are also audio people, we're musicians, and so it was definitely one of like, you know, that would have been cool. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what's one trait that every entrepreneur needs to find success from your experience? Resilience. It is a marathon. You are going to get knocked down again and again. And, you know, the only time you fail is when you give up. And so the most important thing is being able to pick yourself back up and keep going and keep pushing to, till you achieve your vision. Love it. Um, last question. Who do you look up to? Uh, who are your mentors? My mentors, I mean, there, there are two categories. And so that, you know, in the business world, it's, it's really my investors and my advisors. I've been very fortunate to create a strong network work over the course of my um, career. You know, I have over 70 investors currently in my, in my current startup in Hooked. And then just advisors, even informal advisors, um, some of them were just friends and then invest and ended up investing in Hooked eventually. And so I look up to all of them and they come from so many different places, whether they're app developers or investors or, you know, people in Hollywood, just very, very different walks of life. And I reach out to them on a regular basis just to get advice on different things. And that's one category. But the other category is really my family. You know, it's my parents and um, my siblings and my husband's siblings and, you know, even their, their kids. I really, really value every single person is, you know, I feel like I have been taught through my family to keep, um, keep my priorities straight basically. And remember that really what matters in life is love and living a good life. 
and living a good life day to day. And it's not everyone in my family is very ambitious and they're very intelligent and they're successful, but I have been taught to never let your ambition get in the way of being a good person and living a good life. And I look up to them every single day for that. And um, that really helps kind of keep me grounded and brings a lot of joy in my life. Yeah. Wow. I really resonate and respect that. Well, look, um, won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much, Perna. That was like an incredible interview. Thank you for being so giving with your time and vulnerable and just sharing so much awesome advice. We, we'll wrap there, but thank you so much. Thanks, Nathan. It was a pleasure. Uh, you have such good energy. and It was really, really fun talking to you. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.